Welcome to part two of Alana's podcast. This podcast includes themes of an adult nature and stories about alternative lifestyles. If this isn't your thing or if you're a minor, please turn off now. Otherwise, if you're like me and interested in these themes, then please make sure you're sitting comfortably or as it might be, uncomfortably. We'll continue. I wasn't sure how to continue from my first podcast or what to talk about next, but luckily a friend of mine helped me by sending me a review of an experience that he had with me recently. So I thought I'd read that out to you and share you a cautionary tale. So this story is written by a friend of mine relaying a recent experience that he had with me and about his experiences with rubber and I hope you enjoy it. I enjoyed reading it so hopefully you enjoy listening to this. It's called Enforced Downtime partly because it was written up during the coronavirus outbreak when he's had less things to do but also because what happened was kind of enforced as well, although more consensually. So I'll begin. Years ago, when print was the norm, I would as often as able, not a subscriber, buy issues of Shiny and its stablemates. It struck me as something different, excellent production values, some really hot stories, but also reflection. There was correspondence so detailed you knew it had to be true, or mostly so. I had found out about rubber in a Soho sex shop before Shiny was bought. It was not the other way around. In Shiny 127, there's a story which has stuck with me the whole way through. Weak in the Presence of Booties was the title. It was about how a young, beautiful blonde found herself the slave of another lady. She is put into harness and after some playing begs that her mistress allows that tight rubber hood to be vulcanised over her head. This was truly my introduction to the bazaar. Just why would such an attractive woman want to wear such a thing? Surely you could not model it, hooded, collared and on the end of a lead. You could not play act that without some form of commitment. The story is written from the viewpoint of a fortunate male observer, but on turning to the final page, the words, I woke up, appeared. These indeed are figments of fantasy, nothing that real people do. Or are they? Yet, over many years, the hold of rubber increased. I learnt to accept the hood, to have a dildo gag spring my mouth, to become totally enclosed, initially for short lengths of time, but then for longer periods and in multiple layers. In short, the rubber was changing me. You could say I was becoming fetishised. I found myself making sense of another shiny story that initially had made me recoil. This one was in Shiny 52. Creating Christine showed how a firm-minded, buxom, rubber-clad lady encountered a lad out for a walk in the woods. His name was Colin, and before long he had agreed to go home with her. 
He thought seduction was in her mind, but no. Colin, she said, you're about to become Christine. And so he was, transformed into a rubber-clad maid, ready to be played with by his mistress. Nowadays, it is a scene I would be comfortable with, but not back then, probably the other side of 1990. My path to accepting the diverse world of the rubber fetishist was a long one. Key moments were in learning to take the hood and the dildo, and when my mistress gave me my name. That was quite a long time after the collaring. This has not been written to narrate my biography, but to set the scene for a recent moment. That moment saw a reality that was way beyond one woman hooding another, and I did not wake up from it. Naturally enough in this area, this era of the internet, I have chatted, followed sites and blogs. Many seem and may just be the figments of imagination. Others are not. Fetishism, like any enthusiasm, thrives because of amateurs with drive as well as dedicated professionals. It is such an acquired habit that it is unlikely to happen casually. The real players add detail and depth to their stories that fiction would struggle to invent. Where this essay is headed is to describe what it has been like to meet two of Britain's really well-known mistresses, and to go inside probably one of the best equipped dungeons in the land. Fetishism is just for me just another aspect of the surreal, not a nasty surreal, but certainly an escapist surreal. Humans have always been a bit suspect for me, from a very young age. A very nice brother built us a model railway when I was two, and it still goes. By the time I was twelve, forced to be at boarding school, which I hated, bondage fantasies simply turned up. In my twenties, I discovered rubber, and some time later, after many years had passed, Mrs. Fiendish and Bound in Latex began to blog. I was commenting and saying hello in messages, which they very kindly responded to. I am not even sure they knew each other back then. It is no secret they are best friends nowadays. I have met very few fetishists and rubber lovers. Very few means very few, but not zero. There came a point when more or less out of the blue, Mrs. Fiendish invited us to a quite well-known-for-its-surreality tour of the basement of a major British railway station. She knows what nerves to press, along with the chance to meet J.G. Leathers. This was at an improbability factor, which a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy would struggle to achieve. So I sought my own mistress's approval and found myself heading to a meeting outside the station by the statue of an apparently rubber-clad railway worker with a gas mask. That day was amazing. The visit was spot on for my nerves and a meal for six or seven ensured a heavy dose of fetish names was scored quite apart from any locomotives or rare multiple units. The thing, as if previous messaging and writing had not made it clear, these were all lovely people, if with some absurd imaginations and a predilection for the practice of chastity whilst covered in rubber or leather. Some more encounters followed over the next six months. An observatory on top of a huge wet dark hill in December was visited. Totally bonkers, very educational and great fun, yet no stars because of the clouds. A tour was provided for some of the same shared cast on Hadrian's 
wall in honour of a visit by Steffi the rubber doll. This was some great way to meet international friends. Then came the moment when I wondered aloud whether combining a visit to a major model railway show with the chance to stay a night at Mrs Fiendish's home was possible. The reply was yes. Which explains why, on a February afternoon, when the coronavirus was just coming into gear, I headed for the meet. Mrs Fiendish spotted me at the barriers of a large station and directed me to the train she was going for. By the time we got to her town, there was a howling gale, quite a lot of them this year in the UK, and it was dark and driving rain. Reflect, I had met Mrs Fiendish and her man just four times, and I was now about to get in her car, in a strange town with something of an age gap. What on earth might happen? The first thing which just added to the frisson was we did not go straight to the car. Follow me, I was told, and something about the difficulties of parking nearby. Instead, we scurried away from people, over a couple of bridges and through houses, and eventually to where she'd parked. Suddenly she said, Get in! Hints of quantum of solace. And knew she liked sports cars, and here I was being persuaded into hers. More driving through wet and dark streets, and we arrived at the front door. And there, metaphorically, my account rested, although in reality... It was but an instant before we crossed the threshold. The reason it paused was not just that this is a challenging subject, because, but because in the gap between my visit and my typing this now, reality intruded most horribly. The coronavirus outbreak in Britain took off. The opportunity for my visit was coordinated with a huge event in a major exhibition centre, one that several fetishists and railway enthusiasts were crossing the threshold threshold of and where today an emergency field hospital is coming into being. This throws a visit to one of Britain's leading rubber ladies into some perspective. How would I get out of that and continue this account? The answer came in Mrs Fiendish's own words. For the first time she has taken advantage of the downtime to make a podcast, which you might have heard. It is here and references the worldwide plight and then proceeds to give one of the sanest accounts of the fetish lifestyle I have heard in many years. Hearing her, her rather special accent, while I am sure hold many folk, a testimony to quite a varied life and not one so far from my own mistresses who grew up in the same area but isn't local. Listening to Mrs Fiendish offered me this insight. Her tone is what you might expect from the best barrister, an accent that is quite unique and combines authority with tenderness. Editor's note. It's what you get when you cross someone that's been brought up in Yorkshire with someone that lives in Glasgow. That's all it is. Anyway, back to the story. That is a way to go forward with fetish and even with religious life with which there are many parallels. Being in the world, but not of the world, those who enthuse about Mrs. Fiendish's lifestyle really hope that when this is over, they wake up back home on planet rubber, where they are rubber people. That just sounds so weird, but then rubber is weird. It is the insulator that conducts. It teaches immense flexibility and tolerance. And as I cross their threshold, that is exactly what happens. There was a surprise. Two of Mrs. Fiendish's best friends, who I had briefly met, were joining us for dinner. And we had fish and chips. 
and it was excellently clipped. Time passed, and the inevitable, if perhaps loaded, question was put. Would I wish to see the dungeon? Since that was the point of visiting, the answer was obvious, but not perhaps easy. I have been married for decades very happily, blissfully, and the game rule before leaving was that anything that happened had to be narrated to my mistress. That was the one safeguard placed on me, but there was also my host's impeccable manners, which her podcast speaks to. The dungeon was everything and more than anyone who has followed Mrs. Fiendish's writing would expect. Once it was clear what the dungeon is, every BDSM rubber lover's dream, anything could have been demanded and I would have had to submit. Whatever might have happened, I would have had to have been honest later, though powerless to resist. And that is the point. I was with two people who, despite having an overdrive of opportunity, had not a mite of coercion. A fascinating edge to be on. A sort of mountaineering experience, maintaining balance in a very tricky storm. The dungeon offered everything I have dreamed of, all packaged in an incredible neat and curated space and quite a few things beyond me. I think being entombed in plaster or experiencing sounds are areas where I would need some super persuasion. But suspension, restraint, the straight jacket, the hoods, the cage, the dildo pole, the floggers, all these have occupied my mind for decades and here they were. A number of these are in fact familiar but it was the sheer volume and neatness that scored. If you were a passionate museum curator, you could not do better. So although quite some time was spent on a tour of the dungeon, nothing happened and I think we were all glad. But something did happen. We came back to the living room. I offered to show some rubber I had brought, and yes, Mrs Fiendish and I both changed. Knowing that one thing I need not have brought was a hood, and Mrs. Fiendish chose a special cocoon piece. Heavyweight rubber, a small mouth hole just for the beer, a zipper back, and then flaps over the zipper. Heavyweight rubber that could be laced up. Mrs. Fiendish undertook the lacing, and I knew that I was her prisoner. I was a rubber slave in an on a long sleeve t shirt, rubber shorts covered with a leather jock, fishnet tights. Reminiscent of Colin, you are about to become Christine. Fetishism teaches us many things, my dear, from Shiny. Again, anything could have happened, but anything did not. Instead, quite some considerable time was spent simply being rubber people. Gender melts away. We were no longer simple beings of the world. Our coverings had refashioned us, but the beer was very human. Here, perhaps, we can conclude. The point has been reached, where maybe many more questions might be asked. But conveniently, the advent of her podcasts, not to say her blog, provides a place to direct the curious. I have hugely enjoyed assorted occasions spent with Mrs Fiendish and her husband, culminating in the dungeon and then some rubber time. I hope that will not be the last, and to all readers just now, and listeners, stay safe in the strangest year of our lives for sure. To wrap up, where did the title come from? The visit described took place in the immediate run-up to the coronavirus impact on Britain.
Our life is normally utterly hectic. The chance, the mental space to write like this, almost non-existent. I had promised Mrs. Fiendish some sort of review, and been quite some time while I did not know where to start. The pictures were also overwhelming. Who was the audience? Along comes coronavirus, and here, presto, there is enforced downtime to help the author. And the audience, you delightful people, please take care.